You're listening to episode 224 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. As the head executive producer around here, things are getting a little stale, you know? Getting a little stale. So, inspired by DC 5G, I figured it's time for a reboot of the Comics Pals. And you know what? I think we should do it every 100 episodes. I have a lot of ideas about how we can rebrand and reboot all of us. I think we have done this every 100 episodes. Good. (laughs) That means we're just on time for another one. Kale, you used to be like this weird Egyptian god from space with wings. I don't like it anymore. You're going to be like an angel now with a little fire sword. What? Okay. You know what? That's that's better than I thought it would be. Yeah, you did all right. Sean, you used to be brooding and, and kind of uh, uh, you would avenge in the night. No more. You're going to go campy. Instead of wearing black, you're going to wear blue. You're going to have a little sidekick who wears a thong. That's your life now. That's Will they be already. French? What's that? Will they What's be French? That? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Got to be French. <laughs> You'll never run out of things to talk about with that sidekick of yours. and pete let's go to you now okay Uh, you used to be the cool vibrant one with all the different colored hair you're gonna die in our upcoming crisis event we're gonna recast you basically with a cooler younger zoomer version of you awesome sounds great you're done cool all right it's been a good run later boys (laughs) (laughs) next week everyone we'll have paul on the show (laughs) paul Oh, you, you, the, you tried really the, hard with that one, huh? The Zoomer named Paul. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be our uh, pals 5G. And, and Marco's just written out. He doesn't even get replaced. He'll come along later in the reboot. Don't okay. worry. He'll be like a robot or something. So so then my question is, uh, when the next hundred reboot comes back along am i gonna get drug up from the grave and but i get a new costume or something or yeah we're gonna have like a weird heroes in crisis moment between you and zoomer paul (laughs) okay it's gonna be real awkward we're gonna find out he's my nephew or something sounds great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're both gonna pdsd it's gonna be great content for our listeners okay cool i'm glad to see it let's go because everyone likes heroes in crisis or as we'll call it pals in crisis Pals of Crisis. I feel like this (laughs) podcast is in crisis with this bit right now. (laughs) Well then, uh, allow me to save it by welcoming you guys to the show this week. We are very glad to have you on board. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, How about that WandaVision episode, right? (laughs) No spoilers, of course. For that, you're going to have to head on over to our episode of We Watched WandaVision, where we do discuss all of the major, major happenings, the exciting stuff that happened in episode five of that show. So head on over to We Watched WandaVision for that. On this episode of the the Comics Pals podcast, we're going to be talking about some new details behind Infinite Frontier, number zero, uh, some surprises, we're going to be talking about uh, Berserker and just how many copies the Keanu Reeves uh, I wanted to play Wolverine, but I couldn't. So here's me as Wolverine kind of in a comic <laughs> has sold so far to retailers. Um, a new life story, a new series in the life story uh, franchise started by uh, Chip Zdarsky from Marvel. 
and uh, some questionable material in this week's Immortal Hulk that has Marvel and artist Joe Bennett saying some mea culpas. Uh, so that's all we're going to be talking about. That and more this week on the show. Um, if you guys want to find us all over the internet, make sure that you guys are following us on social media at the Comics Pals. Whatever podcast hosting platform you choose, make sure that you guys are leaving us a review, a rating, whatever it is on that platform. Uh, it's very helpful. If you want to write to us, you can do so at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you guys subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Uh, leave us a comment, like the video, and share it with your friends. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Also, join our Discord server. Come hang out with us. We're always having fun conversations over there. Right now, on our uh, TV channel, where we talk about television shows, every comment is a black bar for spoilers, <laughs> because we're down. only talking about WandaVision, and we can't say anything at all right uh so come hang out with us over there awesome conversations i'm sure you won't regret it and you might even get to see me kick out a troll every once in a while boy i i I wish that you two could have uh been been part of that that was buck wild dude it's so funny because i i a bunch of people came in after everything went down and were kind of like oh i'm sorry i missed everything i was reading it like as it was happening and like right before they got banned and everything got deleted i was caught up like seconds before (laughs) it's like i caught the it's like when the last episode of a tv show is coming out and you're like i'm just gonna catch everything right before it's over that was me i got all the drama it's like a WandaVision moment. Sean just kind of rewrote reality within the Discord. <laughs> He's like, no what troll? She-Hulk. <laughs> that was the, the name of the troll was Sensational She-Hulk. Uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting week. Lots of fun stuff going on. Uh, but I want to talk about rumors. You guys want to talk about rumors? Sure. The Fleetwood Mac album? No. Love it. The Umbrella Academy character? No, I don't have a third one. Oh, you guys are lame. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, hey, they did their job. That's all me. <laughs> I, I want to talk about rumors in the comics industry. Now, as everyone knows, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is going to be taking over Justice League with uh, issue number 59. And he's got an interesting team. On that team is a character that we know as Black Adam. Right. So this week's rumor comes from Bleeding Cool. And they say... The rumor factory. Yes. (laughs) They say... uh... (laughs) What? You're leaving us in suspense. Billy Batson, he just had a laundry accident. (laughs) That during the uh, Infinite Frontier, we will learn that Black Adam's name will be changing. Oh, God. Black Adam, who will be played by The Rock this very year, will allegedly be known as Shazadam. (laughs) <laughs> oh, 
you know, did did they do like the fusion dance or something? You know how like Goku and Vegeta become Gogeta? Yeah. Is this is this is this the fusion dance? Vegeta, put it on. You have to do it now. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> oh my god. Can you believe it? Yeah. Unbelievable. In yeah. a Bendis book? Yeah. <laughs> Is it bad, Sean, that when you said you brought up the rock, I was like, is he gonna be Samoan Adam? I really thought I thought you were gonna say his name was gonna be like Black Rock or something. And I was like I was like, Oh god, please tell me it's not that transparent. And then you said Shazadam, and I was like, Wow, that might be worse. It's awful. Shazadam sounds like a brand product or something, like Shamwell. Shazam! <laughs> no, it that's the it totally sounds like what you said the Dragon Ball Fusion or like <laughs> that weird episode of Pokemon where it's like the Venus Toys. It just sounds like you just oh, shove yeah. two things together. <laughs> I got my Shazam action figure here. In my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so Bleeding Cool does have a bit of a reputation, and in the comics industry, they're kind of like the what, like the New York Post. Yeah, that's a good uh, example. Sure. Uh, but they get a lot of things right. I don't, I'm not going to sit here in front. I think Bleeding Cool gets a lot of things right. And Rich Johnson puts himself out there for things that maybe he heard that were true when he heard them. Um, and maybe they got changed because they were ridiculous and the reaction was so poor that, you know, people behind the scenes were like, okay, that was a temperature check. Yeah. We know not to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Rich says, this is from the article. Uh, we know you don't believe it. Someone has already started writing a 4chan post claiming mm. that this is Bleeding Cool making stuff up again. Well, A, I only do that for April Fool's Day, and B, I'm not doing that now, and C, let's see what happens later in the year, shall we? Yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I think it is kind of funny that um, that they do have that reputation because, like... I, I feel like there's just as many stories that have been broken by Bleeding Cool as rumors that didn't pan out, right? And, like, things do change all the time, right? Just because you heard a rumor doesn't mean that it was true. You heard a thing, you reported a thing, you know? Um, And I feel like Rich always makes that clear, right? When it's like, well, this is what I heard versus, like, this is the thing I've substantiated. Um, So I don't know, you know? Like, could this be real? Yeah, I don't know, but... If it's not, I believe you heard it. I believe it was the thing that was thrown around. <laughs> well, uh, the writer in question, Brian Michael Bendis, took to Twitter to say rumors are stupid. Uh-huh. And, sure. of course, that's not gospel, but IGN went ahead and did a little bit more digging. And a writer over there, Jesse Shadeen, put out an article uh, a couple of days ago in which he said very simply sources with direct knowledge of the comic confirm black Adam will be keeping his regular name in 2021. So this opportunity. So, so rich Johnson was just happened to be in the bathroom while Brian Michael Bendis was taking a phone call <laughs> and he said, Shazadam as a shorthand or some shit and i love i love the idea that that like bendis is on the phone and he's like shazadam that's a terrible idea and rich johnson's like oh yeah baby yeah or that's like his uh his script shorthand that's some shazam it's shazadam that's some weird pillow talk (laughs) 
Zadam. <laughs> Sounds like a Viagra pill. <laughs> at Bendis' age, it helps keep him writing like 20 comics at a time. Oh, geez. <laughs> DC's uh, new Bendis uh, branded diet pills. <laughs> you want to stay up all night writing the hot new comic line? Shazam! Get your Shazam! <laughs> Gotta have my Shazam! <laughs> well, we don't have terribly long to wait. March 2nd is when uh, Infinite Frontier will drop. Um, and it's alleged that in that book we will see this name change. So... IGN saying it's not real. Bendis going on Twitter and saying rumors are stupid. We'll see what happens. For what it's worth, (laughs) we do need to see more fusion in comic books. Uh, Agreed. Speak to that. Well, we only had one example I can think of from like the 50s, composite Batman Superman, where he was like green Batman Superman. How about we actually just start fusing characters every now and then? That's what they would do with the Amalgam comics. I was going to say, I love that. Yeah, Yeah. Claw? Come on. Well, why not actually do it with your characters within your universe? Black Panther, Captain America? Let's go. Black Captain. Black Captain. <laughs> Black America. Captain, Captain Black. Panther. Captain Black. I like that. Captain that's Black. That's my Halloween actually, costume. That sounds fucking dope, actually. That's a hard-ass name. <laughs> Instead of having the like American shield, it's a Wakandan shield. America already sold the vibranium, so fucking, you know, they don't need to appropriate that. Take it back. Remember when right. Cap had the like the Punisher outfit with the, you know, you steal that shield. <laughs> There you go. I like Punishers it. are already kind of trying to fuse with everyone. He was Captain America for a little bit. Ginstein. Yeah. Uh, what other what other combinations? <laughs> yeah, he was Frankenstein for a minute. The Punisher yeah. was Frankenstein. Oh, he was yeah, Frankencastle. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He's also yes. been uh, Ghost Rider. Punisher has been. Ghost I mean, that Rider. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Ghost Punisher. Okay, so I don't I, know if that was his name there. Yeah. That's a bad Cosmic name. Ghost Riders. What if what if Superman and the Flash fuse? That like Flash is already really fast. You give him another super fast guy. Super Flash. Super Flash. That sounds like a seventies like character. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna take the names and put them super. Something. Yeah, you're you're I mean, doing that's the game. Yeah, you're doing the heavy lifting on your end. Don't worry. Thanks, Pete. Give uh, give me one. Hmm. What's a good one? What about like, what about like um, Swamp Thing and Man Thing? Swamp Man. <laughs> Swamp Man. <laughs> I was thinking like Swamp Wonder Woman and something, so you could do Wonder something, but like Wonder Thing, That's that sounds really dumb. <laughs> I, I always thought Wonder Man and Wonder Woman should kind of get together. But like, it's just Wonder Man. That's, that's where else do you go with that? <laughs> There's no what? new name we can make. <laughs> Wonder Wonder. Wonder Wonder. Wonder, man. Wonder Squared. Ooh. Man, man Woman. Why's why's a man gotta be first? Woman man. Daredevil and Nightcrawler. Oh, that's actually sick. Night, Night Devil. Devil. That's pretty good. Yeah. Damn. Darecrawler. Darecrawler. <laughs> Night Devil sounds like it could actually be one of Nightcrawler's relatives. Night Devil also sounds like an amalgam character. Like yeah. that's that's a very nineties ass name. Oh yeah, this guy's called Night Devil. He's in all black and he's got pouches up his whole fucking body. <laughs> well, if you take Human Torch and Iceman and put them together, you know, you get like a opposite power spectrum. It's Human Man. Human it's... Man. <laughs> 
he's got fire and ice. We've got an artist in the Discord now, and I would love it if like that person or maybe Al, who's drawn for us before, could draw out these characters, these amalgam bogus characters that we've created here. <laughs> or you know last last idea, combine two of us. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Phil, Phil, I just Bartley. realized. The example you gave for Human Torch and Iceman, it's just Todoroki from My yes. Hero Academia. <laughs> yes, uh, I was thinking that as well. Also like those guys from Star Trek where it's like one side black, one side white. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Submit your bogus uh, fusion characters to us by writing in or hitting us up on the Discord. And uh, if we like them, we'll shout them out on the show next week. Yeah. This is a concept that has legs, as proven by Heroes Reborn, which Marvel is resurrecting, and they're fusing characters like Juggernaut and Doctor Doom. Doctor Juggernaut, Juggerdoom. Juggerdoom's <laughs> way better. Come on. Yeah. So, so Juggernaut, where did you get your PhD? Johns Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> also. Um, the idea of him being called Dr. Not, he's like, oh, please call me Jugger. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jugger Not. Dr. Not was my father. Bitch, please. I am Mr. Jugger. Bitch, Do please not. call me Jugger. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the pals pulls. And this is almost completely a one book pull list. Uh, we're all extremely excited for Radiant Black, number one. That's what we pulled this week, coming from Image Comics. Uh, it's by uh, Kyle Higgins and, shoot, I can't remember the artist. Uh, Marcelo Costa. Thank you. And it looks gorgeous. It's a fusion of, like, Power Rangers, because Kyle Higgins was, like, the, the architect behind the Power Rangers for a while. And his superhero stuff kind of pushed put together into what looks like is going to be something really special and may just start Image's superhero um, like universe. Uh, so it's really exciting. It looks good by all accounts. It's good. The feedback has been good so far. So uh, we can't wait to dive into this first issue. We certainly will be reviewing it, so you can hear our thoughts cool. on that next week. Yeah, it looks great, and look like in more ways than one. Like it, it, the concept is cool, and the art is just beautiful, and the character designs are really neat. Those designs are hot fire, I, man. Yeah, I really like specifically uh, our main characters. Uh, Nathan is his name. Um, I yeah. really like his costume. It's so cool. It's like you can definitely see the like the Power Rangers vibe, where it's got some of the kind of like techie bits to it. You know, but it, it looks very much like kind of that style influencing a more Western like superhero look, which yeah. is it's a really cool kind of amalgamation of those two styles. You know, that that's the theme of the episode this week. Fusion, apparently, I guess. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing I feel like, you know, it's like one of those underappreciated, really difficult things to do in, in, in just media in general i feel like is character designs trying to create like a lasting interesting design that isn't too derivative of something in the past like how many of the most iconic designs in in just media history are over 30 years old you know because 
of whatever reason. So I feel like to create really cool new designs is just really challenging for like any kind of artist. And uh, this design of Nathan Burnett is the character's name really stands on its own. It looks really neat. So, you know, props to, I, I don't know if it was Marcelo Costa who created this design or wh whomever it was, you know, props to them. Probably yeah. was, right? I mean. Yeah, it would make sense. I just, I don't want to speak out of turn. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really soaked about this book. <clears throat> I, I, I think it, it looks really interesting. It looks like it could really have some promise. Yeah, uh, and like I said, we'll definitely be reviewing it, so you don't have to wait long to hear uh, whether or not it's worth your time. And they baited for... me with that marketing material. They're like, for fans of Invincible, it's like, well, I'm going to show up and see then. <laughs> well, I'll no. be the judge of that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I also chose Low 26. Now, a few months ago, I made a mistake. I said low 25 was the finale of the series. There was actually one more issue to go. Ah. And this is that last issue. Uh, I'm not going to give the whole spiel that I gave last time. I already blew that. But I will say <laughs> uh, low is one of my favorite comics uh, of all time. I think it's a tremendous series. Criminally underrated. I don't really know anyone who's read it, and I don't. I certainly don't know anyone who's been along for the entire ride. Mm. Uh, so, I really, really can't recommend it enough. I think it, it might be, it might be at the top of my list of recommendations for any person in comics. The only problem is that it's extremely dark. So, if you know, if you're not in the mood for that, it's gonna be tough. But Rick Remender, uh, Greg Tachini, and Dave McGag have done a phenomenal job. Over 26 issues, something like six years worth of, of comics uh, for them. And uh, it's never, ever been disappointing or, or it's never had a, a low point. It's always been tremendous. So hats off to you guys. It's a great book. Can't wait to see how it ends next week. Sean, you well, just made me feel 100 years old saying that this book's been like for six or seven years. Because <clears throat> I was thinking yeah. about it. I think I have the first two or three issues um that i picked up at the comic book store i went to when i was in college which wow. is so long ago now and makes me feel a hundred yeah wow. it's wild you are a hundred yeah so sean did was last issue kind of like a story climax and this issue is gonna be more of a coda or or is this actually like the last last does it feel like the resolution of the story this is the last last okay yeah um, we should do a book club now that it's done. Uh, we are doing a book club now that it's done. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the list. It will happen. There's a plug. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Plug for book clubs. In Speaking of which, actually, I should do this now, and I will do this now. Uh, this month's book club is going to be uh, Vision. That's right. The highly acclaimed critically acclaimed commercially successful uh reprinted directors cutted uh tom king gabriel hernandez walta epic vision is going to be our book club for this month of course we are doing this yeah. in response to wandavision uh wandavision is certainly a, it's a combination of many things as far as where they pulled their influence but the two most clear influences are certainly house of m and vision and so we're going to do vision 
Uh, we're excited about it. Hopefully you guys are familiar. If you're not, now's a perfect time to go pick that up. They actually just put out a very nice uh, hardcover edition for it that has all the issues in it. Uh, so you can go check that out and then join us on the last Tuesday of this month as we uh, present our conversation about the book on our book club. Short read too. Easy one to, to 12 issues. Through. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. If you've never getting... read it, it's a recommendation regardless of whether or not you buy it for our purposes of joining us for the book club. It's just a classic. Uh, so you should, you should read it. It's something you're going to want to have in your library. And then the added bonus is that you get to have a conversation with us about it. So I would say this is the book that really put Tom King on like the, the map for everyone. Like yeah. certainly there was like a Mega Man and Sheriff, but like this is the book that like I feel like the entire comic book community was like, oh, Tom King, okay. I feel like it also retroactively made Sheriff popular, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it was still coming out though, but people were like, oh, I'm going to go back and actually read it. Yeah, this. it was like, oh, this Tom King guy. <laughs> yeah. Am I crazy, guys? Or was that like the first book we read as a group? Am I crazy? Like even before the podcast, am I crazy? You might be. Or the <laughs> podcast? What? What do you mean? Maybe it was during the podcast. I don't know. I I feel like that was the first book we as a group kind of like read. We did read together. it together, but I don't think we did it for the. I don't show. think we did the did it for the show. But I remember getting. I remember when you all came to visit me in New Jersey. We went to my the record store and I I bought both copies. I had the first volume already, and I bought volume two. And we were reading it to. For our Tom King episode, I think ah, that was it when we okay. were looking at his whole yeah. library and everything, and kind of talking yeah. about his his career. Yep, and then we did a Omega Men book club over on the Long Box. Yeah, I guess it was the a short, short box. box but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So again, Vision Book Club end of this month. You're not going to want to miss it. Pick that book up if you don't own it. Excited to revisit it. Yeah, me too. So let's jump into huh? What's that? You you want to talk about revisiting? That was episode twenty seven of the comic <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Whoa, Year throwback. one. So you know what? Don't don't revisit that. That's not it's not going to be very good. <laughs> that um, might have been when we found a groove, maybe. No, <laughs> we're still working on a groove. <laughs> I'm in my groove. Uh so. You know who's not in their groove? DC Comics. <laughs> Safe they say. are uh, introducing the Infinite Frontier. We talked a little bit about that earlier uh, due to the Shazadam rumors. <laughs> uh, March 2nd is when we will be fully introduced to this uh, new DC. What do they call it? The... The Omniverse now, yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, That's so lame. Yeah, so uh, we're getting the Infinite Frontier number zero. It's going to be their one-shot, similar to Rebirth, if you guys remember that, mm-hmm. um, which basically just introduced us to the different corners and what we could generally expect with DC's heavy hitters. Yeah. And we've got more information now as far as what this is actually going to look like. So, first of all, uh, we know based on an interview from uh, Games Radar slash Newsarama with Joshua Williamson that uh, Scott Snyder and James Tinian are going to write like the 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 story that's going to set the stage. Right? Uh, they they refer to it as a spine story. 
And then uh, that's going to be drawn by John Timms and Alex Sinclair. And then John uh, Joshua Williamson will write the epilogue story by John with John Romita Jr., Klaus Jansen, and Brad Anderson on various stages of art. As for the other stories that will be in the book, this is where there are some interesting surprises. Uh, so we're going to get a Justice League story by Bendis, Marquez, and Tamra Bonvillain. Basically, all of the stories here are intros for the creative team that will be coming on to the character or is already on. So, like, Batman will be done by James Tinian with Jorge, Jorge Jimenez and Tamu Mori. So, that's the creative team from Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan, Michael Conrad, uh, Alisa Martinez, and Mark Morales, and Emilio Lopez. Wonder Girl, which is... Yara Flores, Yara Flora, rather, um, from uh, the Wonder Woman Future State stuff. Uh, she's going to be now called Wonder Girl, and it's going to be Joelle Jones and Jordi Belair on that title oh, uh, or on this too. story. Um, now, this one, this one is interesting. Green Lantern, Alan Scott Ooh. by James Tinian with Stephen Byrne. So okay, 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 okay. In this in, in this story, uh, Alan Scott is actually well, he's gay. I think that's common for Alan Scott. I, I think that carried over from yeah the New Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah, and he has he actually has a couple of kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I know about the story. I don't know any more details as far as what it's going to be. I think James Tinian getting to write that is pretty cool. Uh, and I'm actually into that. I'm excited by that prospect. Um, Alan Scott's not a character that I really know much about, but I actually started to become curious about him during uh, Doomsday Clock. Oh, um, yeah, sure. So I'm into that. Uh, Kale, I feel like you might like Alan Scott, right? Is that true? Alan, yeah, absolutely one of my favorite uh, DC characters. Um, you really gravitate toward those GS, JSA guys. Yeah, yeah. They they really, to me, represent the heart of comics as, as like a whole of like the golden age of comics. Um, so yeah, Alan Scott is top of the list for me. He's always been kind of interesting in his role in like the Green Lantern stuff because obviously he's not a member of the Green Lantern Corps. He got his powers from a magic lamp because uh, this is before the Silver Age of comics. But he's always been kind of cursorily related to like the Green Lantern Corps, you know, John Stewart, Hal Jordan, and all those guys. And uh, I think it's his daughter, Jade, historically yep. was a member yep. of the, the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, so- yeah. And I think like her thing is like she she is like imbued with the power of the of the lantern. Yeah, of like the battery or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like it's i i think uh his lantern is called like the the star heart or something yeah and if i recall it's like a piece of like the core of the lantern's lantern uh okay. and yeah. that answers my question <laughs> and she is like the physical embodiment of that power wow well because because I know Alan's powers were originally magic. Are they still magical in nature now? I think I think it's just like magic that's sort of explained, okay, and like explained to be connected so that he is connected and can still use the name. So like 
Thor in the Marvel movies where it's like, ah, this is magic. This is magic, a science unexplained. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, really, he's yeah. just an alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Because I, I always was kind of confused by that when they're like contemporary. Like, I understand that, you know, it was magical and then they recontextualize that as a sci-fi thing in the Silver Age. But like, how do you kind of reconcile those two when they're both in the same universe? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they it was more that they sort of took a uh the little piece of how Jordan's Green Lantern universe and added Alan Scott right retroactively. Yeah. Because and I think probably because the Flash family works so well. Sure. Uh Jay Garrick and and Barry Allen, you know, they're they're good friends because they're both scientists and uh jay's jay actually got his powers from experimenting with hard water that's same same something like that it's something silly like that uh and um and you know it's not hard to explain oh yeah that guy runs fast that guy runs fast they can probably go together that's fine sure <sighs> But like you know, with the Green Lanterns, it's a little more complicated. Yeah, especially if you don't want to just make him a Green Lantern, right? Like yeah. you want to yeah. maintain him having some kind of like unique element to the power, but still having a similar powers that and a similar name, and you know, yeah, the same and, name, and right? you know, canonically there are like there it, even if you were to like try to make him a new Green Lantern, it's you know. There was a Green Lantern at the time, Abin Sir. Mm. So you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. What happened, Sean? I have an update. Uh oh, what happened <laughs> to the Shazadam rumor? <laughs> oh yes. I I'm I'm real glad. I felt like we were getting in the weeds. Let's have it. <laughs> black. So so bleed black bleeding cool. Black cool. Um, Black and cool. <laughs> Black nice. and cool. They they've obviously kind of been taken to task over sure. this Shazadam rumor, right? Yeah. And so literally just a little a little while ago, a few minutes ago, they put out an article basically acknowledging all of the people, Bendis, IGN. Uh, Clark Bull, who's an editor for DC, all the people who made fun of, of, of them for this thing. And then a retailer who has read Infinite Frontier shared images from the book that literally show him being referred to as Shazadam. Yo. Get fucked. <laughs> wow. It's canon, baby. <laughs> I love that this happened on the air, that we get to get the resolution of this in this episode. <laughs> it, it's important to note that, like, you know, a rumor could not be true, right? But you can't always accept, unfortunately, when like the source of the rumor denies it because right. it's it's in their you know they they're gonna want to deny a rumor so you can't always just say like well they denied it so it's not true right yeah 
Well played, Bleeding Cool. Wow. Yeah, and like, uh, shitty on Bendis' part, gotta say. Like, I get wanting to, like, cover your tracks and everything, but, like, you don't have to be, like, I don't know. I feel like you kind of stirred the pot a little bit when you knew that it was true. I mean, that's that's pretty standard move for rumors yeah. like yeah, this. Yeah, like... for sure. So I'm going to read just what's on the page. It's uh, It says, so it's... <laughs> Set the it's, table for us. It's Superman uh, flying over some civilians, and I guess there's some type of... Um, some type of attack just went on, some type of battle, and he's arriving after the fact. And so the uh, one of the, the, the people says, Shazadam. And Superman says, Shazam. Shazam was here. And then the person says, no, 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 no. The fire god attacked us. Our police and army, no use. Then he came and saved us all. Uh, and then someone else said, the one with lightning on his chest. And then Superman said, Shazam. And then the, the people pull out their phones and one says no. And they all show their phones and you can see now what's on their screens. And it's, it's, it's Black Dwayne Adam Rock saving people. And then someone says, Shazadam, he has been protecting us all. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this is it's not even like like they're not changing his name. It's just like these people have a these characters in this book have a mistranslation of the character's name. How dumb. I mean, that that's to be seen, right? That's a vibe that I get. That's sure. a possibility that it's like it's not that he's Black Adam. It's that, or it's not that Black Adam is calling himself Shazam. Yeah. It's that the people right. don't know what to call him, so they call right. him that. Right. It yeah. Sounds Which, like a Bendis page. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is a very Bendis move. Yeah. In in that context, like it's it's stupid, but it's not the worst thing in the world. No. Uh, if it's only going to be in this in this issue or whatever, um, but if it were to be a thing where they're like going to call him that, that's pretty bad. Especially considering there's a movie coming out. Like, why would you want to change the character's name now? Black Adam, what are you doing? Oh no, nah, Superman! No, do you smell what Adam is cooking? <laughs> no. <laughs> Because I've been saving no millions. <laughs> I really wow. want there to be a scene where at, in, at some point in his film franchise where he is cooking, where we see Black Adam cooking in a kitchen. Just, Just, for, him. Just for the meme. <laughs> the eggs are cooked now. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad we're able to wrap that up here. Uh, now we know Shazadam is a real thing. So for all of you who were prepared to blast Rich Johnston over at Bleeding Cool for his misinformation. Well, I don't know. That feels like a stretch. What? He was right. He's like, right, he reported yeah. the facts. He he reported that someone called him that. Okay. In the comic book. But that's yeah, literally happened. what happened. Yeah, like, I don't I don't see. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're that back at you, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to see this is what uh, comics journalism is. Hey, it's one aspect of it. And actually, yeah. Rich Johnston uh, was uh, taken, was raked across the coals on Twitter uh, by fans. And he said, hey, I don't call myself a journalist. That's not what I am. I report what I hear, but I don't consider myself to be a journalist. 
and he said, this is, this is something that I heard. I believe it to be true. We'll see what happens in March. And now we don't even have to wait. I, I also I think that I think that the attitude that you're taking there, Kale, is like it's it's the same thing of like the oh like BuzzFeed can't report the news. They have GIF compilations here. It's like we're talking about comic book news. Like sometimes the news in comics is stupid shit. You know, like we're talking about reporting on art, right? Like that's part of the game when you're just an entertainment reporter. Not everything is going to be fucking you know real like <laughs> boots on the ground journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Um but let's let's shift back into the uh the infinite frontier <laughs> which in a way feels like an amalgam of its own those two words put together. Yeah. Um what's the what's the DC book uh New Frontier. New Frontier. Yes. Uh, infinite Crisis and New Frontier. Yeah. Right. Well, that's DC, right? They're really thinking. afraid of coming up with new names, huh? Well, that's just branding, baby. Well, at least, at least they're putting new, you know, old words together to make something new. Marvel isn't even trying. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they just do the same Heroes name again. Born. Just put a year next to it. You're in business. Uh, people people like Civil War, right? Uh, let's put a two behind it. Civil War two. Let's do it again. It's got a Roman numeral. It's cool. But imagine something like that happened in real life where it's like, marketing executives were like oh man we need a holiday in the summer that's as popular as christmas what if we did christmas too <laughs> christmas in july i'm Boom. with that yeah that's <laughs> what we did <laughs> that's exactly what happened called my birthday <laughs> so uh so uh, getting back to the creative teams behind infinite frontier um we've got teen titans academy by tim sheridan rafa sandoval jordi taranga and Alejandro Sanchez, uh, Superman by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Jamal Igle, and Hi-Fi. Uh, another surprise here, uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary Ooh. by Joshua Williamson, Alex Maleev, and Jordi Belair. That sounds like a oh, great book. Ooh. Wild creative team. Yeah, Joshua Williamson, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, we don't get enough good Green Arrow books. And Black Canary. Yeah. Yeah, yes, actually. Damn, I, I'm into that. I'm into that as a strategy, too. When you have two characters that are likable that don't get enough stuff, and it's just like, oh, give them a book together. Well, they you make know? sense together. They, uh, were yeah, married at one yeah, point. they have history anyway, right? Like, why not? But um, that feels like an easier sell because it's like you have two marquee characters. Another big surprise is Stargirl by Jeff Johns. Todd Knock and Hi-Fi. Todd Knock, that'll be yeah, that'll be good. Uh, seen him on a DC book in a while. Green Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne, Dexter Soy, who is the man, and Alex Sinclair. That's a must-buy because of Dexter Soy. I don't, I don't even care who Jeffrey Thorne is, um, <laughs> respectfully, but just I'm just here for Dexter Soy. And then the last one is another surprise, but it won't be meaningful to you if you don't know the history here. The Flash by Joshua Williamson, Howard Porter, and Hi-Fi. That's a big surprise because Joshua Williamson's Flash run is over. It's Mm -hmm. been over. So what reason is there for him to be the person to write this piece of infinite frontier uh jeremy adams and brendan peterson are the creative team behind flash so why bring back uh, williamson and porter 
that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what what they have going on there. Um, the rebirth book, every <clears throat> every story there was pretty pretty relevant. So the fact that these were the chosen stories tells us that there's probably a lot of meat for these specific characters. If they're mm. being used in this way over other people, there's probably a good reason. It's worth it is worth noting with Flash, he, you know, of every character in DC, the Flash lends himself best to like multi-universal conflicts. So right. bringing back an old creative team could be a way to kind of transition into something different. Absolutely. Uh, well, this, is, made, this isn't yeah. even an old creative team. This is like the team that literally just finished. Yeah, I mean, they can transition to the next thing is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about the book, even though I'm not excited about the the Infinite Frontier era itself sure. yeah. on the outset. But we'll see if it's worthwhile. Could be good. There you go. Yeah. You know what's not good? What? What's that? DC Comics. Uh, <laughs> hey no, Not true. However, uh, one Cy Spurrier of recent uh, Hellblazer fame took to, twi- uh, took to Reddit, actually, during an AMA to vent his frustrations with DC Comics. That is literally what happened. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read some of the things that he had to say because he... So it's, it's really criminal based on how successful his Hellblazer run was critically that they don't seem to have many plans for the guy, but, (laughs) but let's, let's dive in and let's, let's talk about it. Let's actually let him talk about it and let's read what he had to say. So he said, my stupid effing mistake, colossal effing mistake was to assume I was still living in the nineties when comics got at least a couple dozen issues to flex their muscles and find their fullest audience before anyone even quibbled about profitability. Obviously I have to be circumspect about detail. I am indeed working on a couple of new projects with elements of my hellblazer creative team. Probably more on that later. As of right now, these projects do not include more hellblazer. Yes. I'm grumpy about that too. Aaron Campbell who was the artist from Hellblazer, and I continue to work together. We hope to have something to say about that soon. And if there's ever even the slightest chink of light that leads us back to John, you can be sure we'll take it. Uh, He then goes on to talk about what he wanted to do in, uh, in Hellblazer with the Constantine character and, you know, stuff like that, but there's no reason to get into that. Um, He says that Metron is the best DC character. Um, He talks about some of his Green Lantern plans and the things he wanted to do there. Uh, And then this is the big this is the big money piece here. Uh, He was asked why he's not writing any DC Comics mainline universe books. Um, And he said, honestly, no idea who to harass for such things these days. 
there have been such huge earthquakes within the DCU edit- editorial community. So many excellent people who have lost their jobs, and I haven't yet had the chance to figure out who's where. I confess to being a smidge butthurt. After the Eisner-nominated Dreaming and my Hellblazer run, which was the single best-reviewed comic by Aggregate on U.S. shelves for 10 months in a row, that nobody approached me to contribute to the awesome new stuff going on in the DCU right now. I tried on several occasions to contact editors without much luck. The charitable view is that everyone over there was so busy and stressed, I slipped through the gaps. The paranoid view is that I pissed someone off somewhere up the line. Who knows? I did have one very cool project lined up to go. This was even before Hellblazer went down the tubes, but that all fell apart at the last post around the same time Didio left the building. Honestly, I have no idea what happened. As luck would have it, Marvel came along with a couple of projects at just the right moment, and my incredible editors at DC Black Label continue to see me right. So it's all okay. Long story short, I'd absolutely love to do some more DCU stuff, and I have more huge ideas than you believe. But wanting and getting apparently are not the same thing. The last piece that I want to pick apart and then we'll comment is uh, he's speaking on the state of the industry. And he says, give me a forgotten IP and let me loose. That's exactly why Swamp Thing is as big as it is. Sandman too, to an extent. Sadly, the days when that was a sensible approach to making comics are behind us. Now it's extremely rare that a company will greenlight a series about which they can't make at least some educated guess regarding its sales. Big character names or big creator name or both. Welcome to the direct market. I keep hoping the digital market will reverse that trend, make things more experimental, open up more opportunities to catch unforeseen lightning in bottles. We're getting there, maybe. So that was the extent of what Cy Spurrier had to say about his experience with DC. And it's pretty sad. We've talked on this show about DC kind of pulling away the big money contracts and seeing some of the creators who are at the top tier, you know, jumping ship, you would think that would make room for a guy like Cy Spurrier who actually has had quite a bit of success, but that's not the case. What do you guys feel about DC kind of uh, not pulling the trigger on Cy, leaving him on the back burner and what that might mean for what they think of him or just where they're at as a company right now? I think the two most likely scenarios are, are probably the two that that Cy laid out, right? Where it's either that um, Cy did something that pissed off somebody who, you know, that he's not even aware of. And it is this kind of like he's burned with them for some reason that he doesn't know, right? For whatever reason. Um, that happens all the time. Uh I, I think the more likely scenario is probably the other thing that was laid out is that with the reshuffling of the deck chairs on the Titanic that has been going on at DC Comics for the last, what, you know, six to 12 months, arguably longer, um, that, you know, people who were champions of size work don't aren't there anymore. Uh, or, you know, that a book like Hellblazer that is critically successful but not necessarily selling as many copies as, you know, some suit thinks it should in its first X months. It's not, you know, and it's one of the things that gets the axe, right? We saw a lot of titles get the axe from DC recently in them trying to tighten the line and, you know, have have a more um, streamlined offering, really, right? As they kind of change their strategy overall. 
so, you know, I think it could have something to do with Psy, obviously. Like I said, that's that's always a possibility. But I think it's probably way more likely that, you know, with where DC is at right now and the, the amount of flux that it's in, that mm-hmm. books that are, like, middle-of-the-road successful and that could become a hit if they have another 12 issues or something like that are just not a priority or not a concern. And there's not – maybe not – you know, leadership there to that, like has the clout to stand up and be like, no, we need to stand by this book because it has potential because Psy could be uh, a tier writer and this book could be a bestseller. It just needs to get over. Right. Mm. Um, if that book had kept going, it probably would have gotten over. Right. It, it was a really, really critically um, well-received book. And we see that a lot with series where, you know, their first couple issues, they don't sell that well, but then they get attention and then people retroactively jump on board and come on for the next arc, and and then it finds its audience, right? Happens all the time. Um, but you need editors who believe in the book and are willing to be like, it doesn't matter that it's not making money right now. You know, give it time. So the perfect example of what you're referring to is actually a very recent one, that being Immortal Hulk. Sure. Uh, Al Ewing did not anticipate that he would get more than I believe it was 12 issues. Uh, maybe it was six or 12. He, he spoke to that in our interview with him actually, uh, which you can go check out, but um, it, it took off and he kept writing in endpoints where it's like, okay, if the book doesn't sell well, we can end it now. You know, if the book, if the sales fall off, we can end it here. But the key difference was that I recall when that book was first uh, kind of, you know, getting rolling and the, the hype train was, was starting um, that I read interviews by Tom Brevoort saying, you know, you guys don't even know what you're in for with this. Like, this is going to be so cool. And it's a unique concept. We wouldn't even necessarily green light a book like this if it wasn't for how special it is. And that made me go, oh, all right. And I don't feel like you really see that a lot from DC. Who's the voice? Yeah. You know, who's the person from DC that speaks and and when they speak you listen or you know, their their voice allows you to feel that excitement. I feel like to an extent you had like a guy like Dan Didio who whatever you think about him was the fo- the front facing yeah, person. Sure. Now DC does not have that. And so it's harder, I think. Well, and and I think it it speaks to um kind of what we talked about last week, uh weirdly enough with the Keanu Reeves thing. Right. Where like, granted, and he's like a celebrity and that's a whole other wrinkle to it. But like as simple as having a video where it's like, hey, like, here's how you do the thing or here's the book, you know, like you I feel like you do need to see that from big corporations like this. And you see it in in, you know, with with Marvel, you know, but you also see it in, you know, um, other other spaces too, like other similar artistic spaces where like if people know a name, if they know a face, like you can really help put a small thing over and make it seem more significant than it might be on paper, right? Mm. Like what like what makes something relevant? What makes something big? It's hype. It's all about hype. It's all about marketing. And like, you know, Marco bangs this drum all the time. Like comic book companies are not that good at marketing. They, they aren't. Um, generating hype is look at the video game industry how many games that are not out that are a new ip do people get stupid excited about and like froth at the mouth over for years 
right? And it's different, but it's not that different. Like, you make a fucking hype sizzle trailer with, you know, the editor-in-chief of DC Comics being like, you need to read Hellblazer. And you get, you know, uh, five, six of your top-tier writers that write the biggest best-selling books being like, oh, my God, I read this Hellblazer, and it's such a great vision. And, you know, Sai's got this awesome story, and, like, you've got to check it out. It's the hottest book at DC that nobody's talking about. Like, you manufacture excitement. That's what it's about, you know? Um and, like, if you don't have people championing your smaller books, if you don't believe in them to do that, of course they're not going to succeed, you know? That's a really good point. And that's what events are supposed to do inherently is kind of build up hype. But how often do, you know, Marvel or DC events actually generate hype? They generate sales is what they generate, you know? I mean, sales and hype should go together, but in their case, I feel like, not significantly enough. I feel like with comic book events, they don't always, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. you, it, it, it's like this manufactured hype, but like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like you go and buy it, but it's like, it doesn't lead to anything long-term because even if the event has ramifications, you can't like bank on that. Right. Like, like with, uh, like when we read empire, right. Like that was never going to become an ongoing series that could create, you know, more relevance for an X character, you know, like it's not the same as like putting over a book like Hellblazer, right? Because if you put that book over and it becomes a bestseller, then it's a bestseller every month as long as it maintains quality. And then Constantine's a more relevant character and size a more relevant creator you can leverage for a bigger book. And like, it, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I feel like that should be where the marketing focus should be, should be on things that are sustainable, not things that are like a one and done, like, it's the same thing as like the number one model where you put out new number ones because it generates artificial hype and interest and market attention because it might, oh, it might be worth something. But like, so what? You know, I, I think there's way more value for a company in building a better brand around a character like Constantine that has legs, you know, that could be a movie, that could be a TV show, that could lead to ongoing series for the next 40 years. Like... You know that that's what you should be working to put over, not a, some random event that lasts I, for a I, few months. I vehemently disagree because uh, events have been responsible for spawning big hits historically. Because you hook a person in with the idea of an event, you get them connected to a character or characters, and then after the event, you say follow this character's story in X book, or here's the next part of this story. It spins out into Avengers X, go buy it. Uh, that's a, that's a thing that, that absolutely works. There's, mm-hmm. it's not even deniable. Um, I don't think that you should do one or the other only, but I certainly don't think that that's not a strategy that works. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, look at like, in a, and I mean, I guess it's a, it's debatable if this was an event. We had this conversation at the time. Like, I feel like I look at like Hoxpox, and I feel like that's something I would love to see more of, like series oriented events like that, where it was like, oh, here's this cool story that was an inroad for us that spun out all these other things that were like a direct connection to that brand. You know, it's like, and it felt like. It was an event that existed to spawn those things off rather than like, oh, the aftermath of the event is these things happen and you can, you know what I mean? Like they, they feel more connected, but like, that's also, I guess that's my bias as a reader for sure. 
but that's also like a revolution and you're not always you can't just do that right like sure that's something that's going to come across every once in a while you get a hickman you know that was an organic idea on his part you're going to get a a guy like that who's going to come along and say i have an idea that's going to rock your socks off that's that's very rare yeah yeah also i i mean it and that example specifically goes to what you both are saying like one like you know suits are only looking for flash in the pan sales that you know they can get those high numbers and high sales off yeah but also you know back to what sean was saying like there's no one there to uh push the next sizeberry or hawks pox you know um dc is making themselves just suits and and creating themselves an army of yes men so you know the 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 good stuff is gonna go out the window because like i don't know like that that conversation that that side brings up about like the obscure ip thing like i feel like that is such a salient point but like and i also recognize that like there's market realities that are different now right it's not the 80s anymore um it's it's not maybe as easy to bank on like an obscure character and you know, and like just give somebody the reins and see what happens, you know? Um, so I'm not going to like maintain that illusion. Um, I know that it's not solely uh, just that issue that Kale laid out there, but like, I do think something like that could have been an interesting way to like give a bump to a book like Hellblazer that has critical acclaim, but like needs an inroad for more people to jump in, right? Is like maybe like a, a Hawks Pox style event where you give somebody like Sai who's got this book that is critically successful but needs more exposure, like the ability to do like a smaller, more contained event, but like have the freedom to roll in more popular characters like Swamp Thing or, you know, or maybe even some of, you know, the more like A-listers, like a Batman or a Superman or a Wonder Woman or something like that. And like... <coughs> I don't know, like try to drive that attention to those books that have that potential, um, but are just not necessarily like striking in the way that like an Immortal Hulk did, right? And then it found its audience, so now it can tell its story because it's it's a proven success, so it has creative freedom. But I think that also goes to the fact that, you know, like I just said, like they're, they're a bunch of suits and, yeah. you know, they only care about IP that works and sells. And, you know, Constantine, to be like, has been around for a while. You know, he had the movie. He's been at Vertigo for 30 plus years. There was a TV yeah, show TV not show. that long ago. And the TV show. And he's still on Legends of Tomorrow. And there are rumors of another Constantine movie. So I, I really think that, you know, they they just uh, either just don't care about Cy Spurrier or, or they just don't care enough about the carrier, the character to, you know, keep him consistent. Yeah. I mean, also, I guess to your point, a suit could look at that and be like, we gave him a shot. No one cares. Yeah. Keep in mind, you know, a Hawkspox style event, like you mentioned, like you're not talking about a, a mid tier creator. You're talking yeah. about Jonathan yeah, Hickman. That's true paired with the X, the revival in people's minds of the X-Men brand, where now they're not in a holding pattern. Now they can do whatever that's bank in anybody's brain. Right. Yeah. And Cy it's, Spurrier it's like is not Hickman. Yeah. They, you know, they, like, gave, 
They gave Hickman. You're, you're not talking. You're not talking about anything obscure. There's nothing obscure at all about what I just said. You don't get Jonathan more. Hickman X Men. It's not. You know. You couldn't have more of a slam dunk scenario than that. Honestly, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> yeah. They gave him the keys of the kingdom. I mean, when it comes to like, he's like in charge of a bunch of different creatives who write X Men books. Like he's the architect of that entire line. That that's something that doesn't happen very often. Right. Exactly. It's a revolution. It's it's a yeah. very, very rare, specific thing that happened there. Um, but as it relates to Cy Spurrier, all I'm saying is, you know, you have a guy who's like, you know, a decent name. He's got some respect. He did a book that people really liked and Dreaming was successful as well. Maybe the Maybe the level of success wasn't what you would hope, but he also wasn't on characters that historically sell like gangbusters mm-hmm. so maybe you give him the bump maybe you let him try his hand at a bigger a bigger character um and see what happens to Hellblazer. <laughs> yeah maybe if you know down the road that's not that's happened before uh but uh, i just think it's weird that there's no space for him maybe he's being typecast maybe because he only wrote those kind of like to the side books, that's all they're going to offer him. And that's unfortunate. I think not cultivating creators like that is what's going to prevent us from having the next wave of big creators. And you look over at Marvel and you see them doing exactly that. You see them bolstering the level of a Teeny Howard or a, um, a Leah Williams or even a Donny Cates who has cut his teeth on Marvel characters, right? Like his whole wave of success really has come from his image stuff and his Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. There's nothing DC to really speak of when you talk about this guy. In the in the Reddit uh, rant, um, Spurrier makes mention of Marvel coming and, and giving Swooping him in. some projects, right? Yeah. They keep doing that. He might eventually sign that exclusive deal, and then maybe in 10 years you're talking about the Cy Spurrier revolution of the Avengers. Yeah, right. Oh. I mean, the fucked up thing is... I. I and not even fucked up, I guess. Like, I don't even mean it that way. Like, the smart thing, it, it, that's a brilliant thing for Marvel to do, right? If DC's in this pattern right now where they're not willing to spend more money, they're not going to offer bigger contracts, like, let them, you know, like, just look, right? Look at, oh, look, Cy Spurrier had, uh, one of the, had their most critically successful book of the last 10 months, and they canceled it on him, and they're not giving him any work. Why don't we swoop in and make a couple offers and make a connection there, and then maybe we get him on an exclusive contract? That's fucking brilliant. It's like super yeah. like that's an aggressive way to lock down like you've been talking about the last two weeks, Sean, like the next generation of A tier creators, right? You make them. You make the next wave of kings and queens, you know? <laughs> DC exactly. is fine, everything is good there, says the dog with the coffee cup sitting in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about success in comics, and you know there really isn't anything nearly as successful as what we're about to talk about um berserk berserker uh by keanu reeves known uh, vowel hater yes <laughs> known vowel hater can you reeves Ribs. can they afford vowels now sean uh i think they can afford quite a few of them in fact i think if they wanted to buy vowels they could buy many vowels because Berserker has sold two comics retailers a very large number to the tune of 615,000 copies. Wow. Can you believe it? No. 
<laughs> I feel like one of those like 19th century miners that finds gold and they have to bite it to make sure it's real. <laughs> Are these sales numbers real? It yeah. so just just to just to add so so you understand what that means in comics, right? The main cover, the primary cover, outsold every single book that Boom has ever had, uh, including, um, uh, well, except for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was which outsold every book in 2016. Um, but Berserker has outsold House and Powers. Um, uh, the spawn issues that were super successful in 2019, 300, uh, 300, 301. Um, and the only thing that's come close to this, um, is like, like, st- like Star Wars sold a million, right? Right. Um, Star Wars number one, but that was like a little bit of a funny thing because, um, allegedly loot crate bought like four four to five hundred thousand copies of that so who knows berserker is the biggest it's also is, star was, wars right yeah like this is a new ip berserker is easily the biggest hit ever uh, like not ever but in a really long time for a new ip that's not star wars it doesn't have any type of asterisk next to it you have to go as far back as um wildcats by jim lee that's sold <laughs> a million copies wow uh, something I thought was funny was they called out um, Crossover uh, by Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw was like a huge hit last year and it outsold it by four times. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the best sellers of, of 2020. So that's huge. Um, yeah, this is insane. Uh, and you said it was, this is just the main cover, right? So this isn't even including variants or anything or? Well, just the, the opening bit that I said was okay. just the, the main cover, but like in totality, it's sold 615. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's still fucking nuts. And then, I mean, this doesn't include the Kickstarter numbers. because those it doesn't haven't... include the Kickstarter. This does not include any type of, like, trade sales after the book's collected. Right. It's literally just issue one sold. In sales. shops this week. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. This book is going to print money for Boom. It's outrageous. It, That's it's actually absolutely wild. Genuinely exciting because I remember one of the things we talked about when there was like the whole debate of like, is this kosher? Like, whatever. Um, one of the things we talked about was like that this could be a huge win for Boom if this book does well. Um, and like, clearly it is. Uh, so like, it's exciting to think like Boom, who is a studio that I, that I think has clearly been on the rise the last couple years. Um, and it's like been getting into, you know, starting to license out their IP and, you know, kind of doing a lot of things that I think they need to do to continue to grow and, and become more relevant. Um, and even things that like image has kind of not done as well that we've talked about in the last couple of years. Like this could be a huge injection of capital for them to like green light a bunch of new series or to like, you know, expand more of their, their media adaption stuff and, you know, continue to rake in that money. Yeah, it's an interesting opportunity because certainly if you're Marvel or DC, one, you have brand recognition with millions of people and you have parent companies that have a lot of money. Maybe if you're in the case of DC, that parent company isn't terribly willing to give you that those resources. But Boom doesn't really have that kind of opportunity that those two have. But with this surge of capital coming in, this 
provides opportunity to grow your company in ways that you other smaller imprints don't have and can't do. So it'll be very interesting to see what Boom can do and will do after all this. Yeah, there's a lot of room for them to succeed off this. And you got to think, man, like Boom has had some major hits recently. They really have. They really, really have. And um, they're competing. Yeah, big time. They, they, they really have more than even Image over the last few years had the books that people are talking about and also cultivating those talents that um, could use a, a, a push. Uh, a guy like uh, uh, James Tinian, you know, um, his, his big book is at boom, you know, mm-hmm. um, a guy like Tom Taylor, even his book, big books are at boom. Five years ago, those even image books. 100,000%. Yeah. Imagine a world where boom in 10 years is the number two biggest comic book company. They might be able to actually afford Kale Ward. And I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't, I don't know necessarily see them getting that big, but they don't need to. Yeah. You know, they like, they're, they're comfortable where they are and like, they can continue to grow steadily and like, you know, maybe dethrone image or at least compete with image more directly. And like, that's only healthy for us as readers. Hey, maybe the image try harder. Maybe they aren't comfortable where they are. Maybe they want to keep growing. Oh, I'm sure they do. They wouldn't be doing this stuff if they didn't, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 but I mean, like, I, I guess what I mean by comfortable is that they're not they're not in like a jeopardizing position, right? Yeah. Like they're they're strong. They're healthy. They're not right. tight. Sure. <laughs> um. And and again, I I, I know this kind of comes up uh, when we talk about them every every once in a while. But um. Again, I think the other thing that they don't they don't necessarily get as much credit for is I think they're one of the companies that are doing the best job with. Uh, license titles as well. They have a lot of really valuable IP with very successful ongoing comics, um, which is like a strong foundation that they've been able to build to do the more creator-owned stuff. Because you think about it, a couple years ago, they didn't have that many creator-owned stories. That's like a, a thing they've really been doing more and more of, you know? And like, it's it's cool to see that set, that steady, sustained growth from them. Mm-hmm. And that like, they're really, I think, going to be like a force to reckon with you know, in the next couple of years, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to follow them for sure. Uh, <laughs> congratulations to boom. Congratulations to Keanu Reeves and uh, Matt Kent um, for, you know, a, a tremendous success and Ron Garney can't forget him. Um, so yeah, boom, doing it big. They don't have an infinite frontier though. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about Marvel. Last year, I believe it was last year, we got the Spider-Man life story. Uh, well, it fi- I believe it finished last year. And uh, that was one of the book clubs that we actually did. Yeah. Right, because it was our January book club. Yeah. So it was a year so I, so I guess it yeah. finished in 2019. But yeah, um, yeah, we did our, we did our, our um, life story book club and we all enjoyed it. To varying degrees, but we were for the most part pretty pretty high on it, I yeah. would say. Mm-hmm. And so now Marvel is going to continue the life story brand with Fantastic Four, who I believe are a tremendous choice. Uh, Marvel Comics is going to be 
using this as a way of celebrating their 60th anniversary with a creative team that includes Mark Russell of Second Coming fame and Sean Isaacs, um, who did uh, who's done some fantastic four, but also Avengers No Road Home. Mm. Um, and it's going to follow the same structure as Chips Darsky and Mark Bagley's uh, Spider-Man life story. This is going to see the Fantastic Four across the various different decades. Um, it's going to start in the 60s as they return to Earth. Uh, it's also going to, to use the, the Cold War and the space race as backdrops for the stories that they're going to tell with these characters. Uh, Mark Russell said some interesting things in a press release. He said, what I've always loved about the Fantastic Four is how it reduces the cosmic struggle of human survival to the scale of a family squabble while treating personal relationships as a matter of truly galactic importance. Weaving their story and their world into our story and what's happened in our world over the last 60 years was an important reminder to me of how smart it is to approach life like that. I'm into it. Yeah, that's a cool quote. I uh, never really considered the Fantastic Four that way. I mean, I guess I feel like subliminally I have, but like it it summarizes it really eloquently. And um, if you're going to follow up the Spider-Man life story with anyone, I think the Fantastic Four is a perfect choice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think think it it makes a ton of sense. And it's also, I don't know, I, I feel like those two characters are so like, I guess two characters, this team and Spider-Man, are so, like, core to the foundation of, like, the identity, I think, of what 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 I think of as most people think of as Marvel, right? Like, that era is where that kind of got solidified, and those two series were so pivotal to kind of establishing the standard Marvel tone and, like, what we would know it to be moving forward. Um, yeah. I, so I, I don't know that there are characters more close to the heart of Marvel than Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four in my mind. Hmm. You know, I think it's really cool that they're continuing with the uh, life story concept. What other what what other uh, characters or groups would you like to see get the uh, life story treatment? I I was my first thought was the X Men, but I wonder yeah. if the X Men like Grand Design was kind of its own version of life story in a way. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, Fantastic Four did get a Grand Design. As well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think yeah. the the thing with this with this is that it allows you to tell an alternate universe version where you can see things progress and like have that natural kind of like um, ebb and flow, right? So, like, I think the X Men would be really cool because you could have it start in the '60s and have it be the original team, and then you see like you know, Scott and Gene grow up and get married and then their kids are leading the X-Men. Like, you know, and it, you could see that same trajectory that we saw um, in, in Spider-Man's story where, like, the kind of end of it is this, you know, generation of characters we don't even really know um, are kind of then leading the charge. Um, and obviously there's a lot of X characters that you could kind of remix and present in alternate ways, but you could create new ones. And I, I, I think the X-Men are definitely ripe for that. Um 
But I also think like doing one with the Avengers could be really cool. Yeah. You could have it be like different teams through the ages and, you know, like maybe Captain America is like an anchor character where like the beginning of, of it is him being unfrozen and then it's like the team is shifting around him and it's like emotionally, what does that mean for him as a man out of time? And, you know, seeing the people that he has connections with move on, but he can't because he's stuck in the past. Like there's a lot of emotional um stuff to mine there i think that would be really cool well another thing that i think is kind of interesting about the avengers as a choice is i feel like of all the greater marvel kind of ip things i feel like generally people have maybe the the least understanding of the avengers history because they were never the a-listers that they've been for the last 10 years and i feel like people kind of have a cursory knowledge of their history or it's like well i know they've faced off with Kang at some point in the 60s for a while like you can kind of really revisit those those historical beats and and update them for an audience because one thing that the the life uh uh these these books could really be is kind of like an all-star line for for Marvel Interesting. Yeah, I mean, my my answer actually was going to be Captain America. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do as America changes and mm. his ideals sort of remain the same, and he becomes so illusion, becomes nomad. You can address the Civil War. You can spin out of that and go in different directions. So, I think I think that there are a few characters and teams that make sense uh, to do this with. The only thing I hope is that they keep it um, they keep it to creative teams that are interesting, that have unique things to say. Mark Russell obviously has thought a lot about the Fantastic Four and what he wants to add. And uh, you know, just don't do it um, don't do it willy-nilly. Do it with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. If we're if in two years we're talking, it's like, okay, this creative team we've never heard of is taking a shot at Tigra. <laughs> imagine that'll get Sean's attention though <laughs> that's true um yeah I, I i'm really <laughs> excited about this i'm glad to see them continuing the life story thing and and i think like this coupled with um you know the, the kind of revival of what if i'm really excited that like there's all these avenues to tell like different kinds of stories with marvel's you know huge huge deep well of characters it's exciting i hope it could could be really cool to answer sean's original question is a galactus one Oh God! Silver Surfer, actually. Yeah. Now that you yeah. mention it, that could be really cool too. Galactus and Silver Surfer, like having would... like him, like he keeps leaving Earth and coming back, and like everything changes, and I don't know, that could be neat. Yeah, I like it. I love Galactus, and I would love that story. Yeah. Um, Call us up, Marvel. We just workshopped like three really good ideas. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you guys need some new editorial. <laughs> So, um, this week, things got a little bit weird at Marvel. Uh, we are in controversy territory once again. Ooh. This time, it is over Immortal Hulk, which we just talked about and praised. Now, maybe not so much, because there was some some stuff in this week's Immortal Hulk that had people uh, thinking badly about the artist behind it, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Bennett. Um, 
So the first time I saw anything about this was from Comics FX, uh, XF rather, formerly known as the Xavier Files. On Twitter, they posted about um, the anti-Semitic visuals within this issue of Immortal Hulk, and they had a conversation about it, which they um, transcribed, I guess, and put into um, some images that they shared on Twitter regarding this issue. So it was after this that I saw the conversation around uh, Joe Bennett and Immortal Hulk blow up. And um, CBR reached out to Marvel. Comics XF reached out to Marvel to get some type of commentary on what was going on. So um, before I read those things, I do want to share what exactly we're even talking about here. Um, So in the issue, there is a jewelry store and you can see the name of of who owns the jewelry store as someone is purchasing jewelry you can see the window pane uh in the background of this of this shot and it's called cronenberg's jewelry and underneath the word jewelry i said jewelry not jewelry there's a star of david uh that is that is uh drawn out um and so, of course, it is a very old stereotype that Jewish people own uh, the diamond industry and they, they, they own a lot of jewelry stores. Um, Cronenberg is uh, obviously a Jewish name. Uh, you might notice how close that is to Cronenberg. That is relevant. So keep that in your mind. Um, but also it's called jewelry, right? Now, sure. that's pretty tough that's that's really weird so i'm gonna i'm gonna read joe bennett's response and then you guys can make of it what you will and we'll we'll break that down so he said on facebook i've been including references to famous horror directors to pay respects to the genre throughout the series and in immortal hulk 43 i included a nod to david cronenberg the misspellings on the window were an honest but terrible mistake. Since I was writing backwards, I accidentally spelled both of those words wrong. I had no excuse for how I depicted the star of David. I failed to understand this troubling and offensive stereotype, and after listening to you all, I now understand my mistake. This was wrong, offensive, and hurtful in many ways. This was a mistake I must own, and I am sorry to everyone who I hurt by this. I'm working with Marvel to correct this, and I'm using this lesson to reflect on how I approach my stories and my work. So Marvel has announced that they will be uh, reissuing Immortal Hulk 43 with corrected visuals, assuming that they will be removing the Star of David and also fixing uh, the misspellings. Um, They've obviously apologized, taken ownership of the fact that their editorial could have done a better job of catching this. And, you know, that's all that that you can really expect. Um, So in light of this information, what do you guys what do you guys make of this? We've seen this type of situation before. Um, There was the X-Men gold controversy from a a couple few years back, which you might recall. Um, Where are you guys at with this? So is it the. Is it the that the Star of David is a little bit like 
misshapen no it's the fact it's, that it's the the combination of all of it yeah well, no i mean it's like a jewish stereotype it's an anti-semitic stereotype to say sean, like sean pointed out like to say that like jewish people own diamonds and like the diamond right. store and control the diamond right. industry right it's like a super super like alt-right conspiracy thing i, I right. think okay. it's it's like you said though kayla it's the combination of all of those things too right right like, yes yeah. right it's not only a Jewish-owned jewelry store, which I, th- you know, on its face, it's a stereotype, but it's not the same as it also having like it's just jewelry, like that's right. yeah, little, that too. The whole thing right. feels like it's, it feels like um a coded like attack. Yeah, right. Or or at least I understand how it can be interpreted that way, right? Um, to to answer Sean's question in terms of like where I'm at on it, like it's one of those things where it feels like it's one too many things to be nothing. You know, um, mm. but like, I, I guess I can also see, uh, the whole, like making a typo in your brain, like fills in gaps for you and all those kind. like that does happen. But again, like it, it feels like it's a, where there's smoke, there's fire thing for me. I guess, I guess the thing I, I don't quite gel with on Joe Bennett's part is like, what does a star of David have to do with a jewelry store? I mean, if he's, you know, if there's a mental connection there with the, the misspelling of jewelry, uh, you know, uh, maybe. How many stores do you see that have like a star of David outside? Really? Is, is that a thing you see often? I, that's a genuine question. Not, I mean, not to my knowledge, but I also haven't been to many jewelry stores, right? Like the only jewelry store I've ever seen is, is like a, a chain. Uh, well, not even have, all. Yeah, yeah. It's not not even religious imagery. Not even just like a jewelry store. Just any store. Like in Nazi Germany, they would like make people, dec- like in Jewish areas of of German cities, like put up yeah. like Star of David's to indicate it was a Jewish run store for the so they can target and attack them and something like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. do do bad things. Right. I I can't speak to that element of it. You know, so like I won't, but I think like to take it back to the, you know, the, the comment from Joe, right? Like Joe says like, oh, like I wasn't aware that this was like a harmful stereotype or whatever, but like he consciously made the decision to make it a Jewish owned jewelry store and put the star of David on the front. So it's like, that feels like it, you know what I mean? Like that was a choice. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, I, I guess my, my question, right, is if we want to, you know, um, try to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that this isn't uh, coded language or this isn't like, you know, this wasn't intended to, to be a nod or whatever that, that was him sneaking by something offensive. Um, why then? Hmm. Right. If he wasn't aware of the stereotype, what was the, what was the motivation to make the jewelry hmm. store specifically have a star of David on the front? So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because of, the person that he was paying respects to, which is David Cronenberg, a Jewish man. He, he wanted to uh, acknowledge Cronenberg by uh, putting his name there. And I guess he saw an opportunity because he's Jewish to make the jewelry store owned by, you know, Cronenberg. And just that alone in the minds of the people who are criticizing this is, I mean, it's, it's highly stereotypical, borderline offensive. Then you add on the misspelling of uh, jewelry. 
and the Star of David, which is like, as Phil pointed out, um, you know, okay, so traditionally we know this as like, if you know your history about, you know, Nazi Germany, what Phil said, it's like, well, geez, did you put that there because of that? Or did you put that there just because you wanted to have some type of design on the on the window and you thought, well, Jews, Star of David? Yeah, right. perfect. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Is It's like, okay, you wanted to acknowledge Cronenberg. Okay, weird, but fine. Even the mis- misspelling. I'm sorry. Like- I'm sorry. I, I want to point out real quick, there is a good reason why. Uh, Immortal Hulk is a horror book, and tra- throughout the series, there have been several different sure. acknowledgments of, of yeah, horror sure. creators. Sure. Uh, it, uh, still weird choice in this moment, but fine. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. That makes sense. Uh, even the misspellings that happens. You know, like he said, he was writing backwards. I get it, but the bridge too far for me that makes it real. uh what's the word the bridge too far is is the star of david like that's i again i just don't it just feels like weird yeah yeah Yeah. so i i actually just hopped on david cronenberg's wikipedia page just because i was like curious if there was anything that would suggest that he's like a particularly religious or or a person that really cares about his his judaism or whatever and yeah, he is obviously Jewish, but he says he was raised in a secular Jewish household and he considers himself like an atheist. So it's weird that like in a nod to, to David Cronenberg, the, the, the iconography on the window is a star of David. Just, I don't, I, it, 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 it feels weird. It's not like he was a rabbi or, or something. Like, like you don't know him for being Jewish. You yeah. Know him I know for being monster movies. Yeah, exactly. Body horror and stuff like that. Could have just invented a different logo. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's a little bit that we can add as far as um, Bennett's history. And this is coming from the comics XF conversation that I, that I uh, pointed out. And one of the uh, commenters says, uh, okay, let me find it here. Uh, So um, Joe Bennett. uh, Okay. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Yeah, sure. So this is not an overt moment. I imagine it would be easy for most readers to overlook entirely, but as a Jewish reader coming into this comic, the sight of a Jewish symbol stenciled on the outside of that window was hard to ignore and hard to justify. Perhaps this was called for in the comic script itself, though that seems unlikely to me, or perhaps it was the addition of the issue's art team, penciler Joe Bennett or inkers Roy Jose and Bellarindo or Bellardino Bravo. It may be worth noting here that Bennett has, in previous years, expressed some less than admirable social viewpoints. Oh, this no. is what I was referring to. In 2019, after controversial journalist Glenn Greenwald was struck by a supporter of far-right Brazilian autocrat uh, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, Bennett posted on Facebook that the slap was mine too should have thrown a punch before he deleted the post and publicly apologized. Marvel's reticence to stop using Bennett on their books has been troubling and has required, for my part, a certain willingness to hold my nose when analyzing this series. Whether or not this particular instance was his initiative, I felt it needed to be mentioned. And so we since know that this was his uh, decision 
that he made those artistic choices. And so in light of what I just added, does that change things for you as far as your willingness to give him the benefit of the doubt? No, Bolsonaro is the president of Brazil now, and he is a fascist, like outright fascist. Like that sounds so bad. So my thing is, I, I, my, my initial reaction was already not good, right? Like the sake of wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt was for the sake of this dialogue, right? Of like, well, here's how it could, you know, whatever. I already felt like it was suspect. This just kind of feels like another thing that is like, okay, so clearly this wasn't just an accident, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. well, at the beginning of this discourse, I was totally prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt just like as a person that's like what i want to be able to do in life is to give yeah. people the benefit of the doubt like i can see how you would misspell jewelry on a window that like i was about to say like he this also misspelled like... cronenberg right so it's like okay yeah. sure it was like yeah maybe this is editorial oversight more than anything else like i was trying to put myself in the situation where i'm like oh sh- fuck fuck oh. a typo made it into my book <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right and i could see that but it, it's one thing too many, and then this is another thing too many. So it's like the more you look at it, the more it it's or I, it doesn't pass the smell test for me, as I guess was what I'm trying to say, you know? Yeah, yeah so I had a very similar uh, experience with this information where I started off being very much like, oh, oh, oh okay, fine. Like, let's everybody relax. You're talking about what amounts to a misspelling mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a, 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 a mis- a, an error in judgment as far as the Star of David. Frankly, I didn't even notice the misspelling. When I looked at the image Neither. the first couple of times, I didn't even see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until it was pointed out and I read it that I was like, I, okay, that's not great. Yeah. Um, but then I read his his uh apology and uh because even the news i just gave you guys about his his what he said about um bolsonaro what or whatever Mm -hmm. i i didn't even care but when i read his apology there was just something about the way that he said what he said because all right so for me right like if we were talking about, um, I don't know, if he was trying to honor like Martin Luther King, right? And it was at a weed store, that'd be weird. Like if it was yeah. King's King's marijuana or or, or, or or something like that, Malcolm's marijuana, right? <laughs> MLK's King's exactly. shop, King's right. That would be so overt, King's Kush. That's real good. That's, That's real, real good. good. <laughs> That would be so, so overtly <laughs> offensive. We wouldn't even need to have the conversation about it, right? Right. Mm. And so for me, that means, okay, if I could know that, if anyone could know that, if the general public would be aware of this, then you should know that the combination of all of these things together is a little screwed, right? Yeah. And it can be screwed without being malicious. Mm-hmm. That yes, happens. Totally. But – the because of the because of the totality of everything together, uh, and the like, I I just 
don't believe him. Yeah. I just don't believe him. And that's what it comes down to. And I, I would rather believe him than not, but I don't. Yeah. I, I just don't. It stinks. Like it, there's, there's smoke to the fire. Yeah. And I, I think that's ultimately, you know, kind of how you have to address these situations. And, and I feel like, unfortunately, um, I, I think a little too often, uh, people like rush to be like, well, what if this, what if, what if, what if, what if, and like try to like, uh, do the mental gymnastics to make it make sense rather than like looking at all of these elements together and being like, and you really think this means nothing, you know, like, I think there's totally a universe where this kind of mistake is, you know, just that just a mistake, right? Ignorance. Um, but with that context, it's like, ah, I have such a hard time believing that the guy who expressed that kind of sentiment, right, those kinds of sympathies, isn't aware of the history uh, and the potential way that this image could be interpreted as charged that Phil pointed out. That's my take on it. I, I also, um, just on its face, the fact that you, you see, you know, you, you want to honor a Jewish person or a person of Jewish descent or whatever, and you immediately think jewelry store, like, why is that where your brain goes? You know, it's like that King's Kush thing. Like, why is it that you think of you're going to honor Martin Luther King and you're like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a weed dealer. You know, like, what's that? Yeah. Right. Um, it's not great. <laughs> it's, it's like one thing if it's a Jewish creator acknowledging another Jewish creator and they put a Star of David because there's like a cultural, like there's a culture that sure. you share. Or, or I think even if it was a, a creator, like, like if Cronenberg was like a prominently Jewish man, right? Where his faith was very important to him and his work. And like, he always wore a star of David or something to the point where you could like associate that with him. That would even be a different thing. Cause then it would be like a, well, this is a thing that was a defining part of the man's work and I want to honor him. So nod to Here his faith, respect sure. to his faith. Right. That's that would be legit. That's not what this is. Yeah, like if you put a cross of Martin Luther King Jr., who was a reverend, like you, that makes sense, right? But the obviously yeah. the other the other difference <laughs> here is job. like Christianity as a faith hasn't been the subject of oppression for so, so thousands of years. Wait, whoa, Christianity is the most oppressed. <laughs> You're right. I'm In sorry. 2021, man, come on. That's right. Christian nation is under attack. I'm so uh, glad it wasn't me that made that joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, there won't be a meme about it this week. I re I really almost did. <laughs> but people that uh, are of the Jewish faith, you know, I don't think it needs to be explained. I've been the subject of persecution for so long that when things like this happen, you have to look at it with like a kind of like a certain look where it's but why though? Well, right. like, it's especially when you think about the ways in which anti-Semitism manifests itself in modern culture, where there is a lot of shit like that, where it is like coded, it is like yeah. signaling your anti-Semitism rather than actively being anti-Semitic. Um, and, and I don't think a lot of, I think that's a conversation that a lot of people are maybe not even like privy to the fact that that's a thing. 
By the way, had this not been pointed out, and this is why, like, even though I always, like, get frustrated when, you know, I feel like we're too nitpicky in society and we're looking for reasons to be angry. Had this not been pointed out, I would never have noticed. I would have read that issue, looked at the page, read the dialogue, and kept it moving. I wouldn't have put any of those pieces together. I probably wouldn't have even noticed that there was a misspelling or that it was uh, supposed to be celebrating Cronenberg. I wouldn't have caught those things. No. And I, I might not have I'm, even noticed it was a Star David. Yeah, most people probably wouldn't have. And so it's like, that's how easy it is to get away with that type of anti-Semitism or anything if you know, a person's not paying attention. Yeah, the, the two other things I really want to reinforce here are in the last 15 years there's just been such a rise in anti-semitism in the world i mean you it, the the problem with a lot of it is a lot of it is like coded language too where they'll say th- people will because a lot of it is tied in with like far right-wing conspiracies where they'll talk about things like the new world order or a global cabal controlling the media yeah and it's all kind of rooted in this anti-semitic kind of language and so it's it's not as overt as it once was and it's not as overt as other forms of prejudice in a lot of modern context so that's why it's so easy to miss something like this when you're reading this panel your eyes aren't drawn to the background where instead of jewelry it says quote-unquote jewelry and uh your eyes are looking at the characters and like that's certainly what i did i didn't even look at the background until i read the article so well uh, and think about if you're a younger reader or like if you're not super like you're very well versed in history phil right like you see that and immediately connect that dot right how many readers don't and don't even think of that you know that like that i read i read the article the first time and had to ask you guys to put it together for me sure like right and I had and a again, degree. <laughs> like, and again, Phil didn't catch it. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't. I didn't even notice right away. And even while we were having the conversation, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, even despite all these dots connecting. It really wasn't until he started defending Bolsonaro. I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's everything right <laughs> There's there." There's the smoking gun. <laughs> he might as well have said, "Well, Hitler wasn't that bad." <laughs> he created you know, the autobahn. <laughs> it's it's so. Um, it's so sad and it's so frustrating that creators and this is not it's not abnormal it's just annoying that creators will use this art form that we love that is pure right yeah um to spew poison yeah and i guess you know we've had this conversation many times about like what should be allowed what should be acceptable um in comics what's off limits you know we talked about censorship a lot there was a period of time we're talking about that a lot and x-men gold was one of the books that we did talk about and you know i'm not a proponent of censorship on almost any level i really don't i'm not for it um but there's a level where you're talking about something that's not offensive but is like it, it is offensive but forget that part right it's not just that it's offensive it's that it's targeted yeah racism this is a this is a siren call to a certain kind of person right this is a hey guys i'm letting you know that i feel this way too. i'm one of you i'm one of you i'm i'm down with this and 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 in a marvel comic book that's 
you know, I'm not going to say Immortal Hulk's for kids. Let's not kid ourselves, but like, whatever. It's a Marvel comic book that has no place there. It doesn't have a place anywhere. But if you're going to do that and like, let, let the, I'm always a proponent of let the market decide. So do that shit in your own comic book. That's not about the Hulk. You're, 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 you're taking away from what we're supposed to be talking about, which is an otherwise really strong issue of a book that's been nothing but celebrated to spew your bullshit and you're, you're, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. Yeah. And the problem with stuff like this is it activates people to act on their bigotry. And we, I mean, we saw that in just 2021 alone, like we had the Capitol building siege by any myriad of far right groups that are in any myriad of ways, racist or bigoted towards different minority groups. Like we are already living in a culture where a large enough percentage feel like they don't have to sit in their basements and can come out and be actively, you know, malicious towards people that they don't like for xyz reason yeah and that's what this kind of message sends to people like i'm one of you yeah and and um it emboldens that behavior yes it it definitely does um because you know i think you can you can cite any number of psychological studies right stanford prison prison experiment right group group think enables people to do worse shit period um the more you think that uh, that there are people out there like you that think the way that you do, it reinforces those feelings and those thoughts, right? I'm not so, alone. Yeah. Um, and it becomes this us versus them thing that we find ourselves just inundated with in in, in the modern era. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, stuff like this is, it, it is overtly harmful. And I think that there is uh, going to be a segment of readership who will look at this and or listen to this conversation and still be like, I don't know, I think you guys are reaching, you know, whatever, and make those excuses. But, like, you know, um, I ask you to really, like, look at look at the evidence being presented and, and try to ask why you have that feeling, why you recoil at the idea that, that there's something wrong here. Um, because, I mean, far too often <laughs> we find out that it is the case, right? That there is something fishy going on. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Just be a little bit more critical when you well, look at these kinds of things. Like, ha- be open, have the benefit of the doubt, all those things. But, like, when it's staring you in the face. You you say that, but all, all of us came into this conversation not sure yet. This was something yeah. that took a discourse to actually walk away from. That's and, my whole point, though. Someone that comments in an article like this might not even – you know, be inundated with like all the context that we have walked away from. You sure. know, they they might just like be like, "Oh, come on, guys." That's what I mean. Critically think about it. Yeah. That's what I mean, right? It's like you shouldn't just take things at face value. Like you should have that conversation and do the digging. You know, like don't render an opinion on something um, before you can. You know, because like I think the fact that we came in that way is because like we talked about stories like this before, yeah. where it looks like one thing and it's something else. Um. And, you know, I know I've, I've made that mistake in the past where I've been too quick to be like, this is how I feel about a thing. And like, you get more information later, you know, and like, I'm trying to learn from that. Sure. So I want to also make, make the point that, you know, if, if you had a character who was like, 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 let's say a, 
a Spanish woman, right? And she owns a bodega, right? That's not offensive. It's a, it's a, I guess you could say it's a stereotype, but it's also like a real thing. Like a lot of Spanish people own bodegas, right? Yeah. That's just how it is. Um, and so there's a, there's a difference. There is a difference. And can a Jewish person in a comic book own a, a jewelry store? Yeah. 100%. And will there be people offended by that? Yeah. That's how life works. But that's, but again, I was trying to illustrate the difference between, okay, yeah, a segment of the audience finds this offensive, but potentially they're too sensitive or whatever. Some things you just have to like, let go. But then when you add and add and add and add, right. And it's like, forget the person, forget Joe Bennett. Maybe this was an honest mistake. Maybe it wasn't. We cannot know that. But it's the thought, it's the way that his brain, right? Put Jewish person with with jewelry store, with Star of David. Like he knitted all of those things together in his mind to get to this page. And those things are rooted in a problem that we have in the society that we have to deal with. So that's yeah. why the conversation is important. It's yeah. not about cancel culture. It's not about burning this guy's career to the ground. Although based on the comments that he made in 2019, that may be where this goes. Yeah. But it's not about that in my mind anyway. It's about saying, okay, look, you screwed up. But what's the bigger picture? What's the bigger narrative? And the bigger narrative is this has to stop because it was the same thing that happened in uh, X-Men Gold. It was, if I remember correctly, it was anti-Semitism there it too. Was, so what yeah. the hell's going on? Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, like what's going on at Marvel editorial that they're not even noticing that the guy misspelled the word jewelry. That's their job. Ultimately, like editorial's job is to clean this stuff up. And I know it's not an easy job. Like, yeah, it takes a, an attention to detail that, most people don't have. Uh, certainly, most of us didn't have that level of attention sure. to detail looking at this 100%. panel. That's their job, though. Exactly. I don't get paid to look at the image that deeply. I'm a fan. That's but if right. you're paying a person to do a job, you hope they do the job. Yeah. And this is the this is the. I mean, look, I'm not up on every single controversy, but to my knowledge, this is the second time this has happened in a few years where. A book that is otherwise good is in the the news for something that's really not good. And, you know, I would implore uh, Marvel editorial to, you know, have a more critical eye when you're looking at these things because you don't want this to happen. Immortal Hulk's good. It's good. Yeah, you don't you don't want to put stink on the name, you know, and like and you don't want to like put um you don't want to put other people who are associated with it in jeopardy either, right? Like, because yeah, this, this reflects if you're Al on Ewing. everyone. Like, this sucks for Al Ewing. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, this is this is like his landmark book, and it's it, this is the thing, the reason it's in the news this week, right? Like, that's yeah. not nobody wants that, you know. For, for for worse, he's associated with this now, and he didn't do anything no right and then it's like this is the thing that like could put him in question then it's like oh like are, are they friends because they work yeah. together on this book does he have these attitudes and i'm not suggesting that but i'm saying it, it raises the question to some people and like that's fucked up man like you people know like a, don't people... don't open yourself up to that like yeah exactly. you know and like and and i think uh, to to take it back to what Sean said, like yeah, like this isn't about it's not about cancel culture, right? This wasn't some comment this guy made on Twitter years ago that was taken out of context or whatever, right? Like this is 
This is a dude who expressed sympathies towards fascists and now is seemingly sneaking anti-Semitic shit into his art, right? Like, that's a that's a fucking guy you cancel. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> As a society, we have an obligation Yeah, to I think fascists. so. Like, that's the kind of person we don't need to be giving a platform and, 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 law, and attention to, you know? Like, we that's the shit you weed out. I would like to um, add one last thing to this conversation before we wrap up, and it's very simple. It's a comment underneath Joe Bennett's um, Facebook post that served as, as, as an apology. And it's from someone who said, well, it looks like a couple diamonds to me. I mean, it's a comic book, not a piece of propaganda to indoctrinate the young masses. I'm tired of these overreacting sensitive people. Calm down and move on. The fact that this person, and by the way, I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel like that. The fact that this person feels there's a difference between propaganda and media <laughs> is a big problem. And you that's something that we have to deal with. That any that propaganda, right? All that means is information that has the point to influence your thought. That's all it really means. And that could be good or bad. Commercials are propaganda. We just don't use that word to talk about them because it's, it, it's a word that generally people believe has malicious intent. But if you think that a comic book or a regular book or a television show or a movie or music can't be propaganda in the negative, you're dead wrong. What to the, obviously this person can't answer this question, but what does this person think propaganda even is? Some of the most famous examples of propaganda were created by well-known media companies that you that still exist today, right? You ever seen the the Disney shorts about World War Two? Sure. Where, where Donald Duck's a Nazi and then he wakes up and he's like, "God bless America," you know, like yeah, man, like uh, art can absolutely be propaganda. What do you think we're talking about? What's the what's the cover to Captain America number one? What, Captain America what is, punching Hitler, a the leader of a foreign nation we were at war with, in the face. That's propaganda. It's good propaganda in that sense, but it's propaganda. I mean, what was all of wartime comic books? Yeah. It's for yeah. the for the good old boys on the front line, you know? Like, yeah, man. That's <laughs> the name of the so, game. So ultimately, I yeah I, I agree with Pete, and I think this is the sentiment that we're gonna we're gonna close out with is just be critical, uh you know think and 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 use your head when you look at these things. Obviously, like we all admitted, we all missed it, and that's perfectly acceptable because guess what, racism, anti-Semitism, all that jazz, not on my mind twenty four seven. So I don't see these things, but when I am informed, right, it's not to double down and say no. You're wrong. It's to look at it critically. And if you if you examine it and you go, you know what? There's nothing here. I don't care about this. Hey, that's on you. But if you if you're unwilling, right? If you're unwilling to think about it, if you're unwilling to examine the information, then you're simply ignorant. And we have to root out ignorance in this world because that's what leads to the kinds of things that hurt people for real. Because this image. Will it offend some people? Yeah, probably, maybe. Um, is it going to lead to murder or death or anything wild like that? No, probably not. But this is one thing. Mm-hmm. And things have a way of building. And you never know what inspires who or what inspires what down the road. And so that's why vigilance is required 
in these situations. And they're comics. That guy's right. We're all here to have fun and have a great time. But at the end of the day, comics matter. And the reason you read them is because they matter. So if they can matter to you in the positive, that means they can also matter in the negative. And we have to check that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's going to do it for our conversation here on episode 224 of the Comics Pals. Definitely do write in to let us know what you think about what we just discussed. Um, Did you see the artwork and think nothing of it? Did you come around? Uh, Where do you stand on the issue of censorship in comics and in media in general? Uh, Or you can talk to us about anything we talk about on this episode. You can do so by hitting us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com on social media at the Comics Pals. You can even leave us comments wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. And while you're doing that, you can leave us a rating and a review. Uh, you, If you're on YouTube, we thank you very much for that. Make sure that you guys hit that subscribe button so that you are made aware of when we drop new content and hit the notification bell as well. You can leave us likes there as well. Share the video. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Come hang out with us on our Discord server where the conversations from the podcast always spill over there. Um, Make sure that you guys are listening to We Watched WandaVision. We have a bombshell episode to dissect, so you're going to want to hear that if you're watching that show or if you're just keeping up with it through podcasts and, and articles and things like that. We thank you for choosing us if that's the case. Uh, And last but not least, we've got a whole host of book clubs for you guys to go ahead and check out, including the one that is upcoming, which is Vision by Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. It's going to be an awesome episode for an even better book. So definitely come hang out with us and check that out. And our previous book club, which is Civil War, um, that was a labor of love, at least on my part. think you guys will enjoy it if you're a fan of that book, or even if you're not, come listen to us sell you on marvel's decade plus old event real quick on civil war uh it went up late because of youtube scheduling so if you missed it last week it's up now so if if it wasn't there when you went for it previously go watch it now (laughs) awesome yeah go check that out please um and with that let's get into the plugs pete Thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about whatever you are. Uh, what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you reading? Um, I'm looking for recommendations. Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can head over uh, to loopots.com where I host a weekly Nintendo podcast called The Potscast, uh, where this month we're trying to get fit with Ring Fit. Uh, so if you want to do some exercise, go over there. Do you feel fitter already? I do. I've been working out for a week, and I've been feeling real good. Oh, and my band has a new single coming out next week. So check it out. Long Friend, Time Friend, at LFTF, the band on Twitter. Awesome. Kill. You can find me in my scruffy-ass Jimmy Neutron face on Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at killord.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-D.com. Got a blast! Yeah, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. Um, it's still plenty of time to donate to the Patreon for Marco, who went bankrupt Excuse after me, investing. Me. Whatever. <laughs> his his uh, investments in Time Warner blew up on him. So, you know, donate to the poor boy so that he can join us in the podcast again. Mr. Marco Animoto. Okay. 
wishing Marco and his family well. Uh, as for me, I am on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. There's so much cool stuff happening right now, I feel. And this year is so exciting for so many different reasons. So uh, hit me up to talk about what you're excited about in media because there's a lot on the horizon. Um, and uh, I think I think you're going to start to see us doing more content surrounding things that we're excited for. So stay tuned for all that. And thank you for listening. We appreciate it. With that, we're the Comics Files signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Fuck Nazis.